0: You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic, holistic physician, best-selling author, international speaker, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for
1: Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. As a fifth generation Korean natural medicine physician who's also trained in chiropractic medicine, I come from a long line of doctors with a deep respect and appreciation for the healing properties of plants, both as food and as medicine. So I'm super excited to introduce our next guest here today on Wellness for Life. Not only is he a board certified interventional cardiologist, but he's also a professional chef and the best-selling author of Food Shaman, Journeys into Quantum Food. Let's welcome Chef Dr. Mike Fenster, a.k.a. the Food Shaman. <laughs> Great to have you here.
0: Thanks so much for having me, uh, Suzanne. And and I also want to get folks excited, and get you excited, because uh, I'm going to add to that, uh, this fall at the University of Montana, where I'm on faculty, we will be introducing one of the first, and perhaps the only a culinary medicine course that's a university approved and accredited uh, for college credits and hours and it will actually be part of the elective opportunities for people looking to get a master's in public health
1: how amazing is that i mean like now it, you know in college you can do this now darn i wish i was going to school there i would have loved to join you on that <laughs> one how fun well goodness <laughs> Well, you know what? You you definitely you're a clin. Are you a clinician? You're still in practice.
0: Yep, Uh, I still take call and still run in at uh, you know two o'clock in the morning when somebody's having a heart attack and put a sentence. So you know, I'm certainly not opposed. I'm a user of Western medicine in terms of what we can do acutely, sort of you know a battlefield medicine, if you will. And and I think uh, we're very very good at that. But where we ultimately fail is the before and the after of the event. And, um, you know, I still actually like going to the hospital. I love working with patients. Um, but, you know, it, it's still amazing to me. And i got to tell you, one of this, these interesting stories is what really sort of launched me uh, onto my crusade, as it were, was I'd finished a, putting a stent in a 34-year-old female. Uh, who had metabolic syndrome came in with a heart attack. We put a stent in, and uh, I was spending a Saturday morning because this happened on a Friday talking with her about you know lifestyle changes and diet. And, and she was overweight, and she was very frustrated. And she shared with me, "Gosh, you know, I, I turn to the television, I look at books, I'm reading magazines, and none of it makes any sense. And everybody contradicts themselves. So I just kind of gave up and ate what I wanted." And so we spent a long time, you know, and you know, as in medicine, 30 minutes is a long time to spend with one patient in a room. Uh, I was there counseling her, and in comes what the hospital serves her. Now, remember, this, this gal just had a heart attack the day before, and their idea of a healthy meal was a white bread, deli meat sandwich with processed American cheese, yellow jello, which is still inclusive, I guess, in every hospital meal and this horrible salad where I don't think one vegetable had actually seen a ray of natural sunshine and a container of highly processed salad dressing, and I just shook my head. Uh, I I was beside myself.
1: That's that's why I think, you know, what you're doing and bringing it more out there globally and teaching people what you really need to do is look at what you what natural what's nature has brought you. That's that's the key. And I love your your name, Food Shaman. So how did you get into becoming a professional chef?
0: Well, that actually happened before I even ever went to uh, medical school. Because, uh, as you know, uh, if you're heading out to college, it's expensive these days. We hear so much about student debt, and so I had to take a job. And having had a love of food before I ever went to college, uh, a lot of great memories of you know cooking with my mom and going to you know roadside uh, fruit and vegetable stands and uh, the the fishmonger and so on and so forth. I started in the restaurant industry. I actually started as a dishwasher and worked my way up to executive chef. Um, by the time I finished college, went back, got my culinary degree, and now actually, in addition to everything else, uh, one of my appointments at the University of Montana is actually in their culinary program. So it's just something that is very, um, forgive the pun, but near and dear to my, my heart. And um, it's just a, a passion. Um, You know, I think that the story of food, if we look at it, and, and I think it's very important as a culture, as a society, and individuals that we have perspective in our lives and we see where we came from and what are our roots and get in touch with that. And if we look at the story of food, it really is the story of humankind. And our own individual food journeys really reflect our own important relationships with food, and I think with others, and ultimately, you know, with this good earth that we live on, and all those things are really critical to not only good health, but I think a good life.
1: I love all that you're saying. I'm from Korea, Mike, and I know when I eat food that's from my land, what we eat, and especially kimchi, Especially fermented foods from my country, and what I mean is, I make it myself here. Um, I'm coming up with a new new book uh, this month, and it's called the Kimchi Diet, Mike. <laughs> I think you'd probably enjoy oh, that great. Only because I'd like
0: to get a, I got to get a copy. Yeah, you bet, Absolutely. you bet.
1: But what you're telling me is exactly true. Going back to your roots and going back to where your people, what did they eat? You know, and coming from Earth, the natural way, rather than this adulterated food of of um, you know we have such terrible farming farming practices now, and um, animal husbandry issues and all that. So I think you're absolutely right. And getting connected so that you can tell what's going into your body. You're feeding that microbiome. And that's what kimchi does, right? It feeds that microbiome and connects you to nature in the most uh, basic way. Of of uh, You know, the natural process of fermentation. You don't need fire. You don't need electricity. You don't need gas to make this food.
0: Well, you're spot on, uh, Suzanne. And and I think, too, you bring up a a big part of my book, which uh, when I wrote uh, one of my previous books, The Fallacy of the Calorie, which dealt with the modern Western diet, I wrote about – and that was about four or five years ago that was published – and I wrote about the gut microbiome, but we've learned so much more, and we've learned how it is such an integral connection and a piece uh, in our own health and our own lives. that I actually had to put in a whole new chapter to update all that information. You know, as a clinician, as an academician, uh, as well as a chef, where I get to kind of flaunt my artsy side, All the recommendations, all the conclusions in food shaman are extremely data-driven. They're evidence-based, and there is a wealth of information out there saying exactly what you just said, which is when we disrupt that gut microbiome with these highly processed adulterated products, we start a process of chronic, ongoing, continuous, low-level inflammation. As a cardiologist, inflammation is at the root of atherosclerosis. Uh, As a physician... We know that inflammation is at the root of diabetes. And now all of a sudden, very fascinating, uh, within the field of cardiology, we see all these links now that back in the dark ages, you know, horse and buggies, when I went to medical school, you know, it was like, oh, well, if you have arthritis, that's joints, that's rheumatology. Uh, if you have inflammatory bowel disease, well, that's the gut. Uh, if you have narrowing in the heart arteries, well, that's cardiology. But we're finding, you know, somebody with inflammatory bowel disease, is it over twice the risk of coronary artery disease? The same for psoriatic arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. All these things are connected with a ongoing, continuous, chronic, low-level inflammation, and all of this uh, seems to be, or potentially is initiated, you know, with the gut, and that's why why diet is such a key determinant to our health and wellness. And, and in terms of the whole food experience, it's, it's what brings us joy. Um, as you said, it, it, it's what gives you roots. It's, it's how we share as human beings in a culture and society for, you know, almost the history of humankind. It was always centered around, you know, food and our various relationships with food and
1: each other. Right. You talk a, a bit about that in your book, and, and you call it the food experience, right? And the food experience and how it connects to to the bond of you and the nature. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because you also mentioned that there's kind of like the splintered relationship that we deal with.
0: Well, Absolutely. And, and I do uh, focus heavily on the food experience. So when we talk about food uh, from a health perspective, so often it becomes this sort of very diverse, as you said, splintered clinical and, you know, very aseptic sort of dry look at food. And it's mostly just in terms of nutrition, you know, how many, you know, international units of vitamin A do I get in my glass of, you know, carrot juice or, or something such like that. But when we look at it through that lens, to me, it's very similar to saying, well, you know, gosh, I see somebody's crying, so they're simply expressing carbon, you know, and water and some, some salt. Uh, there's a story behind there. There's an emotion. There's something that's uh, very powerful. Again, you know, in cardiology, we have Takasubo syndrome, where people can die literally from a broken heart that is related to emotional trauma that they go through, and they have pump failure, and dysfunction of the myocardium, exactly as if they had a blockage that occluded a critical coronary artery, what people would recognize as the widowmaker lesion. And all of this simply because of the emotion uh, that surrounds an event. So what we're finding is that this emotion, our attitude, and in the book I really emphasize and go over some of the studies that show a benefit of an attitude of gratitude with our food experience. So it's not just what we eat, but it's how we eat, it's with whom we eat, it's where we eat, it's when we eat, and all these things combine into what I call the food experience. And to look at that in an isolated view is to look at our relationship with sex and with your lover, your partner, whatever, strictly through the lens of a biological reproductive urge. Um, humans don't process sex and emotion that way. It's tied up in the very you know, nether regions of our brain. And very interestingly, and I, and I have a chapter on this in the book as well, believe it or not, the way we process food, because of the way smell uh, goes right into the limbic system, it's the only one of our tactile senses uh, that is so wired that they actually kind of cohabitate the same condominium in our brain. And so we process food and smell and taste with all that emotion and memory and power that we process, you know, sex and relationships and love with each other. And so it's a very complex thing that to simply look at it and, oh, um, you know, it's X amount of saturated fat is to totally miss the point and the power of the uh, food experience.
1: Uh, Yeah, you're right about that. I I think, you know, that's part of the reason why we actually have a lot of individuals who relate food to trauma or relate food to um, appeasing their their emotional upsets. Uh, You know, a lot of people relink it that way because it is so closely related, is it not?
0: It is, and I'll share with you, uh, As I'm going to take off my stethoscope for a minute and put my chef's jacket on. There's a fun game we we have as chefs that we, we play, and it's called kind of the last meal game. And sometimes we'll sit around when we're talking about food and we're eating and say, well, you know, if you were, if it were to end all tomorrow for you, what's the last thing that you'd eat? And what fascinates me every time I sort of play this game with some of my chef friends is, you know, you would think chefs might say something like, oh, foie gras, and I'm having, you know, Kobe beef or this or that. But most of the time, it goes back to a meal. Like with, for me, it'd be you know a bowl of my mom's homemade chicken soup, mm. because of all the the power and memory that came with it. And you'd be surprised, you know, how many chefs who spend their days with very fancy ingredients and expensive, you know, items and you know have tasted some of the best things in terms of extravagance uh, that one can have on their palate. How often it comes back to an experience and an emotion and a relationship uh, with a person or a family member or whatever uh, that that just is communicated through food, and you know I think that that I think that just never ceases uh, to amaze me and, and to really, for me, confirm that we're on the right path when we're ex- exploring this because. A relationship with food and the natural world. It's something that really has only become so fractionated over the last, you know, sort of 50 to 75 years. I guess particularly the last 50 to 50 years or so, but it's something that's accelerating. And uh, unless we act to reverse it and bring it back to its prominence and importance, you know, uh, I, I think that we're in for an uphill battle uh, in terms of examining and improving the human condition.
1: Mm, well said, well said. Now when you say quantum food in your title, uh, the, the food shaman and um, it's it, you use the term quantum food, right? Journeys to into quantum food I, what do you mean by the quantum food?
0: Well, you know um, I don't want to get too sciencey and technical. Um, but basically Are we going to quantum physics? We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, there's an analogy there. So when we uh, look at the world that we operate in every day, uh, we look at it through the,
1: the – and experience it uh,
0: through the uh, visors and perspective of classical physics. Um, that's our everyday experience. That's what we do. But we want to look at the reality of the world. What is the universe? How is it made? Then we go into this crazy world of quantum physics, and we find in this world of quantum physics that we actually don't live in a universe of things. Uh, We live in a universe of relationships. You know, things are defined not in in isolation, but in their relationship and their experience to everything else. And by that, you know, to, to quote it quite simply, for example... We we know about electrons because th- that's what makes lights work when we turn them on. But when we look to see an electron, we can only identify it in its interaction with something else. In between banging off something else, an electron in the quantum physics world literally ceases to exist. And so when it comes to food, we need to stop looking at food in isolation. We need to stop approaching it, you know, with this incredibly, I think, misdirected Western view of categories. You know, that's that's our modern science, right? We like to take things and put them in boxes and put labels on them, and then we want to quantitate them because we can measure it. And, oh, good God, goodness, when we measure it, then we can set limits, and we can identify this is good and this is bad, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where we get into this whole... You know, I think vicious negative spiral about saturated fat. We don't eat saturated fat. You and I eat food. And we need to understand food. And we need to uh, broaden our our perspective of food into that food experience and understand that it's all these things. And at the end of the day, it's all about relationships, just like Mm -hmm. the universe. You know, we're a microcosm of the universe. And the universe is is defined and exists in terms of its relationship. And our view, our relationship with food, uh, is exactly that. It's a relationship. And we have to understand and empower that. And like any relationship we have, whether it's with family or friends or coworkers, uh, our relationship needs to be a positive, nurturing one. And that's what builds us up each day. That's what keeps us going. You know, if you look at... Uh, the research done by the National Geographic Society looking at blue zones, which are those areas that have an unnaturally high amount of centarians so people living healthily 100 years and older. And so they went there looking for the magic bullet, as we do in the West. What's the one thing that they're eating? You know, they've, they've got a a treasure box of this one secret ingredient that they must be eating that, that's going to keep them healthy and keep their brains functioning and keep their you know, physical frame in good stead. And what they went when they went there, they found it wasn't one particular food. It wasn't one particular drink. But what was a constant was the healthy relationships people had with each other and the sense of community and, and really in terms of food it was the fact that in none of these areas were people eating highly processed, adulterated foods, and I think those are the, the take home messages.
1: That's right. That's right. Great. You know, Doctor Mike, I want to ask. I want to ask you a question that I ask every heart doctor or cardiologist comes on my show, and I've had many. And uh, the the question that I have that I ask everyone is, what your take is on cholesterol. Because uh, when you go to most cardiologists, and I'm talking about the allopathic medicine, um, the biggest concern is the cholesterol level and trying to bring down that LDL level. I'd like to know what your take is.
0: Okay, uh, and this is actually, got when I was when I had finished my cardiology training, I actually did an additional preceptor in lipids, so that's an area I'm I'm quite familiar with. And the first thing I want your audience to know is that your dietary cholesterol has nothing to do with what your blood cholesterol level is. Uh, it's so often, there's still out there this idea that eating things with cholesterol raises your blood cholesterol. Not true. And not true to such a powerful extent that after 50 years in the 2016 National uh, Nutrition Guidelines, they actually got rid of the recommendation that you should limit cholesterol to 300 milligrams a day because there's no benefit that restricting your dietary cholesterol has any benefit, any impact on heart disease. So I think that's one important takeaway. The second important takeaway, um, and again, I don't want to get too much in the weed, but it's actually not cholesterol that's the problem. It is what's called oxidized cholesterol, which is a different compound. It's cholesterol, but it undergoes a negative process, an inflammatory process, so cholesterol is part of the problem because we clearly know that it gets in the walls of the arteries, but it's this oxidized cholesterol that's the problem, not cholesterol per se. Every cell in your body, particularly your brain, which is mostly fat, needs cholesterol to function normally. You probably also hear, uh, as a physician, and I'm sure have uh, doctors on your show that talk about, oh, we have an issue with vitamin D. Well, what is it that our bodies use to make vitamin D? Well, it's cholesterol, specifically 7-deoxyhydrocholesterol, uh, which is a, a form of cholesterol. So I think it's kind of funny that we work so hard to limit cholesterol on diet, give medications to reduce the cholesterol, particularly the LDL cholesterol diet, and yet we're still confronting a national epidemic of vitamin D, which is made in our bodies from cholesterol, so it's not the cholesterol per se. It's the what we call lipoproteins, which are certain types of proteins, and most importantly, oxidized cholesterol. So this is where I think that eliminating the uh, chronic, continuous, low-level inflammation—that's the match to the gasoline. You know, that's what incites all this. And when we can do that through exercise, through eating really delicious meals that are, you know, have their basis in the natural world. Um, I think you're, and I certainly know from my experience, you know, talking with folks, you feel better, you function better, and these are not the people that I'm seeing in the emergency room at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, with the exception being those who smoke cigarettes or do drugs. Kids Mm. don't do drugs out there. Got (laughs)
1: it. Love, love what you just said. So uh, before we finish here, what is your favorite heart health meal that you would eat?
0: Well, you know, and um, I don't really have a favorite meal. I just have favorite ingredients. And one of the things that I encourage people to do is uh, to roll with the seasons. So I think part of being in touch with the natural world is allowing ourselves to experience the season. So in the middle of winter uh, in Montana, uh, where I am at the university, you know, I'm not looking for fresh strawberries because they're shipped (laughs) in somewhere from Chile, South America. They're not picked ripe. Uh, It's not a real strawberry. You know, it's a horrible sort of pseudo strawberry. So what I'm looking for are those things that roll with the seasons, that are wholesome, natural, and authentic. And anything, whether it be, as you pointed out, vegetables, fermented foods, which I might add, wine is—I can, wine is a fermented food. Um, you know, uh, animal husbandry that's been done right. Any of these sorts of things; these are all my favorite foods. What I don't want is that—you know—processed, addictive garbage that's just built on endless layers of sugar, salt, and fat. You know, to play to and develop a chemical addiction in our brain and make us. You know, seek that out exactly as, you know, somebody seeks out opioids or heroin because all they're looking to do is not have a meal, not have a food experience. They're looking for a fix.
1: Good point. Awesome. Where can we find more about you and your book, Food Shaman, Journeys into Quantum Food?
0: Uh, Folks can pick up a copy at uh, Amazon. And if they like it, please give us a little Amazon love with five stars. My publisher loves that. And they can find me at www. that's com, and we have a weekly uh, podcast, uh, a newsletter that has some recipes and all sorts of tips. So uh, we'd love to have them come on by, sign up for that, and follow us on social media.
1: Oh, that's perfect! So, Chef Dr. Mike. Dot com. That's where you can find out more. Thanks so much. Food Shaman Journeys into Quantum Food. Uh, I think you definitely want to pick that up on Amazon. And I, I, you know what? Maybe I can get on your podcast and we can talk about kimchi, Dr. Mike. Well,
0: I so, love that because I'm a big fan. I love kimchi.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I'll be able to give you, give you some um, of my favorite tips on how to make amazing kimchi. Well, that was great information. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I know you've learned a great deal about cardiovascular health, about Dr. Chef's work, but also the the information about uh, food and the relationship that you you can have with food that's going to really take you to the next level of health and wellness. Now, please share this show with your loved ones. It can definitely change their life for the better. And if this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe so I can continue to serve you with the most current natural health information available today also connect with me on instagram at dr suzanne i post regularly on how to become the best version of yourself through nutrition self-care lifestyle and even kimchi and what's great is that you can engage with me directly and i respond to all of my comments all of your comments Personally myself. So if you need to dig deeper with your health issues, work with I work with people all around the world, and we do this through phone and Skype consultations. So get my contact info at drsuzanne.com website. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.